Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, Iron Radio listeners. This is another week of ironradio.org. Um, we're joined here today with the uh, best bench presser of all time, uh, Scott Mendelson. Um, but before we get to him, I'm Robert Fortress Fortney. Um, I'm a former editor at Muscle May International, former competitive bodybuilder, and current powerlifter. And this is Phil Stevens. I'm a strength coach, powerlifter, Highland Games athlete, and founder of liftforhope.org and strengthguild.com. Hey folks, this is John Mike, doc student, next to strength coach, strongman competitor, and uh, good to be on the show. All right, well, thanks for coming on with us today, Mike. Lonnie, uh, Lonnie couldn't make it today. He had some uh, important business to do, so um, I think he's practicing his posing routine or something like that. <laughs> I, I, I was, yeah, I was okay. Whatever. Anyway, yes, as I mentioned before, we have Scott Mendelson on the phone. So, hi, Scott. How you doing? I'm doing well. How you guys doing today? We're good. We're good. Um, now we've been trying to get you on the on the show now for quite a while, so we're excited to have you here. Well, I'm excited to be here, guys. I appreciate the call, and um, let's make this happen. Right on. So, Scott, uh, just so people don't, if in case people don't know, Scott Mendelson has been one of the uh, top bench pressers, if not the top bench presser, for quite a while now, several years at least, and um, he actually holds the raw record at the moment. Do you not? Yes, I do. I hold the raw record at 715 pounds. I have the 275 record equipped, uh, 1031 at 275. Uh, and I have the super heavyweight APF record, WPC record as well at 1025. Okay, okay. Now, uh, when we last spoke, you actually, uh, intimated to me that you were interested in perhaps going for the, a new raw record, which would, of course, would be breaking your own record. Is that right? Yes, yes. I'm in training right now uh, on April 16th at Exert Nutrition, our new business. Um, we will be hosting the California State Championships, uh, where I will be breaking the world record raw. Okay. Do you have? A, do you know what uh, you're going to be going for? Um, I'd like to shoot somewhere between 7:30 and 7:50. Okay. And how's your training for that going at the moment? Um, I hit a double with 6:80 the other day. I felt really, really good, and I had a bad handoff, so. Uh, tomorrow night I'll be going 700 raw. So I'm feeling real good. My weight's at about 310 to 315 right now, which is my strongest. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm really, uh, I'm feeling good about it. Excellent, excellent. Now, give us a little bit of a background. How did you find yourself, um, you know, where you are right now as a bench press specialist? I mean, tell us your progression from, you know, a, a skinny kid, maybe, I don't know, um, to where you are now. How did you get into weight training and what was your progression? Well, to be honest with you, you know, as a small child, um, my father played professional football, and my grandfather was Rocky Marciano's stable in boxing. So oh, okay. I've always had that around me. Um, I was a fighter before I was a lifter. But, okay. you know, I collected, I collected comic books, and Incredible Hulk was my favorite. And I always wanted to be the world's strongest man. Okay. And, you know, some kids want to be an astronaut or a fireman. I just I always wanted to be the strongest guy in the world. So I was naturally stronger than everybody around me, um, and I started lifting, and it just sort of, it was a love relationship immediately. 
and uh, I was a bodybuilder because in California there wasn't a real big powerlifting scene going on. So I started bodybuilding, and what I realized about the politics and so forth and so on with it, I really didn't want to be involved in it anymore. It was sort of a letdown. Right. So, um, so I started powerlifting, and uh, bench press was always uh, uh, a favorite for me. You know, I always excelled in it. So I was bench pressing 640 raw as a bodybuilder without any form back in the day. And, um, you know, it just sort of developed. And I started competing and, uh, you know, traveled the world and lived the dream. And here I am talking to you. Yeah. Now, when, what, do you remember uh, the first time you bench pressed? Were you exceptional at that time? Did you, uh, I mean, you might not have known it at the time, but do you remember what kind of weights you were lifting within the first, like, say, year of your bench press training? Um, which, would have, which would have been your bodybuilding well, training. When I was about 14 years old, I was hitting about 315. Wow. Um, and I was stuck at that, and I just kept training and training and training. And one day I got up, and I was hitting 450 immediately from 315. Oh, so, wow. yeah, at 19 years old, I was benching 600. At so, 19? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. So, you know, it, it's like a fish to water, you know. Yeah, no kidding. How how were your other lifts in comparison to that? I've squatted a thousand pounds before once, and it, I never wanted to do it again. It felt like a condominium was on my back. So um, <laughs> was that in competition? Not, <laughs> was it was that in competition? No, not. I've never competed in squat in competition. I just never had the uh, the need to do it. I just didn't feel like I needed it. I, I knew what my forte was. Um, and believe it or not, after I bench press that, and I know this is going to sound weird, but it's much easier for me to bench a thousand pounds and squat a thousand pounds. Um, you know, squatting and, uh, and deadlift. I mean, you know, I, I believe in them completely. Um, just, you know, everybody has their niche in life and, and, and the bench just seemed to be mine. Sure. Um, what, what kind of weights have you deadlifted? Just, just for interest sake. I've deadlifted reps with 800 before. You know, but I, you know, about five years ago, I got in a pretty bad accident. I almost died, and I lost my right ankle, and uh, I had 13 surgeries, and I was competing the whole way through. I actually broke the raw record uh, a week after a surgery. I went to New England and uh, and hit the 715. So oh, wow. I was I was training and getting surgery simultaneously. You know, it was a it was a mess. I mean, it was something I don't wish anybody to go through. Was this but, an automobile uh, accident? Yeah, yeah, I was uh, I was in an Astro van, uh, you know, passenger van for the uh, that we had all logoed out for the gym, and uh, there was a lady stopped in 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 America. We have what's called a fast lane in the, in the far left side of the freeways, and she was stopped in the fast lane. All the power in her car died, and uh, I hit her at seventy five miles an hour, and seven other cars hit me, and uh, wow. it was quite a it was quite a mess. So for me to to get back up and and to do something like that, I'm 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 just uh, I'm blessed, man. What can I tell you? You know. Yeah. Well, how, did that woman uh, survive that, or? Yeah, she was in a coma for about four months. Um, wow. You know, but we're we're both alive. Do you think? Um, do you think maybe your hypermuscularity and so forth might have uh, helped you survive such a thing? Well, when I hit her, the steering wheel broke off in my hands. And the steering column came up towards my chest, and the dashboard came in. And because I was holding the steering ring, it stopped my body from going through. And when I stopped the accident, I looked down, and I was like about an inch and a half from being impaled. So Holy they told God. me, 
Yeah, I actually put the steering wheel down between the seats after the accident. So, you know, I, I believe, I completely believe that if, if I didn't have my genetics, I, I wouldn't be here talking to you today. Right. Jeez, that's amazing. I remember you telling me that at one point. Um, yeah. So how do you, how do you, I mean, obviously you're a bench specialist, which means you compete solely with the bench press. Um, but how do you incorporate the other lifts into your training? Because obviously um, other things would, would aid you in, in being, you know, the, the best bench presser that you can be. So how, how do you kind of work through that? Well, you want to know, honestly, um, being a bodybuilder, and you're going to think, you know, all you powerlifters out there are going to be like, no, but this is a God's honest truth. My bodybuilding base has made me what I am today. I'm more knowledgeable about supplements. I'm more knowledgeable about knowledgeable about training, uh, about being in touch with my body, and um, I'm a I'm a bodybuilder. That, you know, uh, it's, that, I've always I've always liked that about you because, um, as I said in the beginning of the show, I started as a body competitive bodybuilder. So, and I've always right. you know. I've always liked the fact that, and I kind of took to powerlifting too because it, you know, ultimately I went towards what it was that I'm best at. But I like sure. the fact that you've always said that because I feel the same way. I've always said that um, I've only been helped by all the bodybuilding training I did early in my years, and I know that you've said the same thing that, that you don't um, like, like you say, as unlike a lot of powerlifters, you don't look de- look down on bodybuilding or anything like that. Well, I am a bodybuilder. That's why you can't look right. down at it. Right, right. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, uh, people don't realize, you know, powerlifting is easy compared to bodybuilding. You know, people just, you know, you people out there, when you bodybuild and you compete, the workout's great and everything. The diet is intense. And not only when you're done with your work, then you need to pose for an hour to an hour and a half, which is brutal. So, you know, um, big respect to bodybuilders and big respect to powerlifters, but, you know, people need to know knowledge about, about you know, what they're talking about before they knock it. Right. And I think the last time I spoke with you, you said that you primarily do things like leg presses now for your lower body? Yeah, I do a bodybuilding workout for my lower body right now. I do partial deads. Um, but that's, you know, that's about it. You know, I mean, the, today with the, 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 the advanced equipment and everything, you don't really need to squat unless you're competing in a squat. Right. But, I mean, I, I would imagine there's a certain amount of pride, though, at coming because you don't want to necessarily be a light bulb either, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, the bottom line is you gotta do what you got to do, right? <laughs> right, right. Because, um, yeah, like, I mean, ultimately, obviously, you know, I mean, of course, you hear lots of guys who, you know, break major bench press records at, you know, double body weight, triple body weight. But ultimately, if you want to bench press the kind of weights that you're going after, I mean, you have to be, I mean, a big man. And I, I don't think anybody necessarily is going to be a big man with, you know, neglecting the, the lower half, the lower part of their body, right? Yeah, I mean, if you don't train your legs, you know, uh, you'll, you'll just break down. That's the bottom right. line. Right. You know, there, there could be no weak spots in, in your training, especially, you know, I mean, I've blown my quads benching. So, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's quite leg involved. Right. Now, what, how do you format your training every week to week? Just maybe give us a general rundown of, like, um, you know, what days you do what and that type of thing. I do a Monday and Friday workout for bench. Um, I used to do support work, which is your, you know, your, your other things that you need to do besides bench press, hammer, curls, back, triceps, that kind of thing. I do it usually the day after because uh, I, I can't lift milk out of my refrigerator if I do it on the same day. So on Tuesday, I'll do a support day. And, uh, you know, now i got my new training partner, Eric Spoto, who will be my protege. 
He uh, he's top twenty five in the world for arm wrestling. The guy's got nineteen and a half inch forearms. He's a freak. Which is six six thirty raw. Um, so you'll be hearing big things from him soon. I'm bringing him out of the closet. So, but um, you know we do that. We do our back workout and our support work on Tuesdays. Wednesdays a leg workout. Uh, Thursdays rest and the weekends a rest. Okay. So you're benching both Monday and Friday. Then are are you're Correct, not going yes. you're not going heavy on both days though, right? I never go light. I go balls to the wall every workout. Okay. But competing in it less than a month, so uh, as of this week, I cut it down to once a week. Okay. All right. So what, do you you work with percentages, or do you have some sort of um, peaking strategies, or do you like you say you never go light, you always go ball to the wall? But I mean, does that always include high high percentages, or do you mean just just in the, the Dude, what I do is I'll do from threes to singles when I'm training for a bench meet. Okay. Um, I do a lot of board work. Um, and basically what I'll do is I'll go 75 to 80% starting. I know my body. I've been doing this a long time. So my body doesn't peak like the average person does. You know, um, I don't remember, I don't know if you remember when we were talking about the central nervous system and everything during our last interview. Yeah. But, you know, the building up the core of your central nervous system is what's basically going to control your body and, and, and peaking function. So, and, you know, being as old as I am and how many times I've beat my central nervous system down and recovered it to get to these higher weights, um, you know, at that point I'm able to, to, to do what I do now. When I was younger, I couldn't do it as much because my body would just, you know, I don't, you know, when you're at the gym and you're having the best workout of your life and then the next day you go in and you're so tired, you can't do anything and you're wondering what the heck and for like a month you're just tired all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's when you just peter out your central nervous system. Yeah. So uh, after years and years of doing this and understanding what I'm doing with it, my body is at a point right now to where I can take a real beating, you know what I mean, and not and not uh, have recovery problems. Right. How old are you now, though? I'm 42. You're 42, yeah, which is still, which is still relatively young in powerlifting, to be honest with you. I guess I guess. Yeah, it's kind of, I'm, I'm peaking. I, I see the sands coming out of the glass, you know what I mean? So... <laughs> uh, it's time to make some numbers happen this year. This year, you're going to see some great stuff. And now that I'm training raw, um, I plan on going to uh, Al Meehan's meet in Canada. It's a WPC meet in Canada on June 4th. Um, and uh, I'll be toppling 1,100 pretty easily. It shouldn't be a problem. After I come off of raw training and I go into equipment, you know, raw makes you bulletproof. You know, and it's been a while since I've trained raw. I sort of forgot it. You know what I mean? But, do, you, uh, do you do all this? Do you do all that board training um, also for your raw pressing? I, I work the same with both lifts. Okay. Whether I'm equipped or I'm raw, I pretty okay. much work the same. So do you just vary week to week the height of the boards, or are you just? Uh, I work from a three board to a, to no board, so I usually don't go above that. I don't have a lot of lockout problems. If I can get it up, it's going up. You know what I mean? Right. Do you do anything specifically for, like, specific um, pec training or anything like that? What's that now? Do you do anything specifically for, like, chest training, like uh, strengthening specific muscles um, or, like, individual muscles that add to it? Do you do anything like assistant stuff like flies or any of that kind of stuff? No, I don't, actually. That stuff will just rip your body apart. You know, benching yeah. and the bench style that I bench, we use our whole body. So you're getting a full body workout when you're benching. Right. What kind of what kind of width do you have on the bar? Are you a wide bencher or? Yeah, I go uh, index finger when I'm equipped to the ring, 
and okay. I go ring finger when I'm raw. Okay. Right on. Now, what other? Now, what other? Now, you own your own gym, correct? Yeah, I own Absurd Nutrition, uh, which is at ninety-one forty-five Deering Avenue in Chatsworth, California. Nine one three one one. Come on by, guys. Okay. Now, um, do you have a website? We have a twenty-five thousand square foot uh, spot. We have a full MMA gym. We teach it all. You know, I'm a, I'm a fighter as well as a lifter, so you know my talents. I, I try I try to bring to pretty much everybody. Now, what 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 is your in fighting? What are your disciplines that you're a specialist in? I've wrestled and I've boxed primarily, but I've I know Muay Thai. Um, so you know, we kind of mix it in. But I got uh, guys that do jujitsu and stuff like that. I, I'm not really experienced in the jujitsu yet. I just started it up myself, so. Um, but we're a full, full, well-rounded uh, facility. Okay. Well, what was the name of that place again? Exert X E R T Nutrition. We're in Chatsworth, California. Okay. Now, do you have a you website? Per- I'm sorry. Do you have actually a website? Web- our website's down at the moment. Um, we had problems with it, but if you just look up Exert Nutrition, our website comes up. But it's like an archive thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not going to tell you .com or .net right now. I'm working on it. Now, um... See everything we do, uh, if you just look up Exert Nutrition. Okay. Um, I want to talk a little bit about, on YouTube, I found you and Eric Roberts were in business together. No, that was a show that we were doing together. Not in business with me at all. It was a what, sorry? That was a show that we were doing together. He's not in business with me at all. Okay. All right. How did that How did that whole thing happen? Well, after I got in my accident, um, pretty much they, you know, getting out of the hospital, they kind of hooked me on Norco's and the whole thing, and I weaned myself off. And I don't know if you guys heard about the whole medical marijuana thing in California. No. So, um, you, you heard about it? No, I, I don't know what's. Well, there's. I've, I've heard about it. Yeah. yeah, there's legal medical marijuana shops. Um, for medicinal use for cancer patients, so forth and so on. And I got involved in that because, you know, I mean, the crime rate's high in L.A. Um, you know, people are hooked on the Norcos and the Oxycontins, and I never knew anything about it until I got in my accident, you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, it's a vicious cycle, man, and people are going in and killing people for $8 in a liquor store, you know what I mean? It's ridiculous. So, you know, my basic thing was, look, I'm, you know, trying to help these cancer patients and people with you know, injuries like mine and stuff like that. Um, and I opened up shop. We actually have a shop also called the Green Door. Okay. And where is it located? It's in the same building as our Exert Nutrition uh, okay. uh, facility, but it's a completely separate entity, separate entry, separate everything. Okay. All right. Okay. I think uh, we'll segue into the topics of the day. And for folks listening, we have two of them today. We have... Um, we're, we're, we're going to go back and forth with Scott about things like raw versus equipped, and I think he's a good guy to talk about because obviously, as, as he said, he competes you know, as a bench press specialist in both ways. And um, and we're <laughs> the last yeah the last few uh, minutes we're going to talk a little bit about how you can actually uh, maybe uh, increase your bench press. And again, I know that's kind of an overworked um, you know topic among muscle magazines and so forth, but I mean. It, it, it's not more pertinent that we have Scott Mendelson here online with us. We'll do that. But before we do that, we're going to take a couple minutes here for some uh, service announcements. And then we're going to come back with Scott and uh, talk about raw versus equipped. Fortress. 
what is best in life. If you need a break from listening to these barbarians and you want to read something intellectual, check out the library at www.ironradio.org. The feature article this month is about a conference that took place in Canada, an exercise physiology conference where the researchers were literally trying to answer questions like the optimal number of sets and intensity for maximal protein synthesis and muscle growth. There's other juicy material there like the effects of cortisol and adding more fat cells to your physique over time, how women recover better than men, and tons more. So if you're interested in reading as well as listening, check out www.ironradio.org and our article library. Thanks. Okay. We're here with Scott Mendelson and uh, with John Mike and uh, Phil Stevens, and I'm Robert Fortney, and we're here talking with Scott about uh, just all things bench, lifting heavy, and uh that kind of thing. And the, for the topic of the day that we're going to start with is uh, raw versus equipped, um, you know, to, the pros and cons about it, you know, how, the, how it maybe um, is, is viewed by the, the more generalized weight training community and, and that type of thing. So, and I, and I think, like I said before, I think it's pertinent with Scott here because as a bench specialist, he, he uh, competes using both and he holds the record as the raw best bencher. So, Scott, is the best bench press in the world the guy who has the best raw press? I mean, you know, the bottom line is, and, and I'm not, you know, anti-gear. I love lifting their shirt, okay? But raw is the ultimate as far as who is the strongest. I mean, period. Because, you know, it's like having a crane on your back. You know what I mean? It's yeah. assisted. I mean, yeah, when we lift geared, everybody lifts with the same gear. So it's all fair and everything. Um, but, you know, it's it's about technique it's not about strength at that point you know what i mean yeah i mean don't get me wrong when i got 11 1200 pounds in my hand strength is involved but you know <laughs> if your technique if your technique is wrong then the shirt's not if the it's not going to come down right it's not going to go up right you know when you're lifting raw it's all about you 100% you and yes i am the world's strongest bench presser yeah, because and of course I agree with you, but I'm just um, throwing out as devil's advocate what some people say who don't agree with us. They say things like, "Well, not necessarily," because, but I, I mean, the argument is always that. But regardless of what somebody derives, what benefit that they, they derive from the equipment or a shirt in this case, um, the fact remains is that without it, they would be, you know, that they wouldn't have that aid with them. So yeah, so I totally agree with you. It must be. Uh, you know, the, the guy who lifts the most without equipment must be the strongest guy. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, there are only two guys in the world to ever bench plus 700 or more. That's me and a guy named James Henderson. And James, yeah. he's about a 410-pound guy. He's a beast. Um, Is he still around? Him. He's around. He's on that Christian power team that's on TV where they break the ice and bend the bars and all that. Oh, okay. He's a reborn kid, and, you know, he went that route. And God bless him. But, uh, you know, I just, uh, you gotta give credit, you know, there's a reason why only two people on the planet have ever done what we do, you know. Um, you know, and I, it was funny, when I broke the raw record, I really wasn't training for the raw record, I was, you know, see back in the day we'd train raw until around four weeks out from the meet, and then we'd get into our shirt. Yeah. And I was ready for the Arnold at the time, and I was doing like 7.30 for a double off two boards. And, uh, you know, the forums are pretty crazy. The raw guys hate the gear guys. The gear guys hate the raw guys. And I just didn't want to be in that whole makeup, so I did it. And 
Now it's like, all you gear guys suck, parentheses, except Mendy. You know what I mean? So it's kind of nice. I like that. Yeah, and, and I, I would think that, um, you know, that, that shows that, you know, I mean, as an athlete, it shows that you're, you know, open to both sides, like you say. I mean, as long as everybody's using the same thing, it's an even playing field, then, you know, that that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, what do you think about the whole concept of, though, uh, some people, myself included, thinking to a large degree that a lot of the the massive use of equipment, these types of things, certainly in three-lift powerlifting, um, does harm to um, the overall view of the sport in that the general public, certainly, I mean, you find people who are actually, you know, regular gym goers that don't even know the difference between, you know, um, raw, equipped, and all that type of stuff, that it kind of some it puts a negative slant on it only because it kind of distorts people's view of what, you know, um, the human capabilities are. For instance, you'll hear somebody, you know, uh, who doesn't know much will say, well, this guy bench presses 900 pounds with a gear. Then he'll hear somebody say, oh, yeah, I bench press 400 pounds, and all of a sudden that sounds like it sucks, but that guy with 400 pounds was doing it raw. Um, so sometimes it can have that negative thing where people who don't know what they're, you know, it in the broader sense, people don't really know what's what and what's going on. It, it's it's just like racing race cars, you know what I mean? You know, some race cars are unlimited as to how you can build them, and then some race, some federations of racing, there are rules to where you can only make the fuel line bigger or the tires stickier. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the bottom line is, you know, um, it's the ignorance of people, and, that, and that's not—I don't mean it as a negative, a derogatory thing. But they just don't know what's going on, you know. But, you know, I'll take a three-ply shirt and I'll hit 1,150 pounds in it. Let me tell you something. There's not a feeling in the world like it. It's incredible. Yeah, I've heard you say that. Now, what does it feel? You say it must be like you're king of the world when you have that much weight in your hands. You know, it's 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 a rush. And, and uh, it's helped me with my raw because... You know, training that central, we'll get back to the central nervous system thing now. Training in that realm, when you're head, when you're handling that heavy weight and then you go raw and you lighten it up, well then in your head it's like, oh, no big deal because I've handled it before. You understand what I mean? Yeah. But do you, but do you think so, a lot of I mean, it's, I, I like using it competing, but I also like using it as a training huh. tool. Right, right. And, and, and I think that, um, you know, recently I was speaking with Louis Simmons and he, uh, was alluding to the same type of thing, saying that, you know, all his lifters that use gear always lift better when they're raw after using gear, which, of course, as you would say, would um, speak to the whole idea of, yeah, nervous system acclimation to it and just structural acclimation to a, to a heavier weight. Well, I'll be honest with you. I, I don't necessarily like what Louis Simmons does. Um, he's sort of two-faced. He'll smile at me and say hi and then, you know, talk crap behind my back. So I think it's about time I let everybody know. I don't believe in any of his techniques. Well, it's, it's interesting you bring that up. And um, I've never had any personal problems with the guy. But, when you know, years ago when I kind of made the switch to powerlifting, of course, you know, I mean, at that time it was the West Side thing was really coming into prominence. Yeah, you know, I've kind of come full circle with the whole West Side kind of thing because I've realized that so much of what they do is only really applicable or useful to people who are, A, using lots of drugs, or B, um, using lots of equipment and their equipment. What do you think about that? Put it to you in terms that the world can understand. 
West Side is dead. He's got no good lifters anymore. Everybody who was worth anything left him. And there's a reason. One, because he's an ass. And two, because his training methods are like caveman. So, you know, I used to use his methods, and I almost ended my lifting career. So, you know, I believe in nothing that he's done. The dude is just, you know, yeah, I just think that uh, West Side's pretty much no more. You know, their lifting methods are no good, and, you know, they're, they're living in a cave, which is what West Side looks like, a cave. So yeah. it's all that. Now, what, what, what principles of West Side have you used? Because you were saying you, you've used them in the past, and you've, uh, you know, you said almost... Speed work. I've done all their different exercises, speed work and everything. My shoulders, my elbows, my wrists were killing me. You know, um, I, I'm sure it's fine if you're benching 700 pounds, but, you know, going any higher than that, it just doesn't work. You know, okay. it just yeah. doesn't work. Now, why do you think it is that he he seems to have a problem with you? Well, what's that now? Well, well you were just saying that you, you, you found him to be two-faced and, uh, like, do you think he has a personal problem with you, maybe, that maybe you're not one of his disciples or something like that? You know what? I don't know what his problem is, nor do I really care. I mean, we like when we did Power Unlimited, he wouldn't be in a movie because I was in it, you know, and I was like, huh? And, I mean, I never had a bad word with him. It's like all of a sudden, you know, the guy got old and lost his mind. I don't know. Right, right. Okay, now, um, getting back to the raw and equip thing, do you, do you think there's going to be a res- resurgence of raw lifting? It seems like there already is kind of to a degree, almost like a, um, you know, a, a reaction to just the, the, the amount of equipment that has become prevalent in powerlifting. It seems like a lot, like raw has, is starting to kind of gain speed again. Raw is for every person in the planet. And that's what it's all about. You know, this big population, more people look raw than equipped because more people know raw. The bench press is a universal lift for strength. When people ask, hey, how much do you lift? They don't really care how much you squat. They don't care how much you deadlift. It's how much you bench. Right. So. Right. Now, you're, you're saying that you always go. I'm sorry. Go on, John. Oh, uh, now, Scott, I was going to say, you kind of alluded to this a few minutes ago, but I've heard many people say that, you know, you're either raw or equipped and little or nothing in between. I mean, do you feel that one needs to be all raw or all equipped, or if you do a little bit of both, you see which route is best for them? Here's the thing. I've learned through my years of doing this that we used to go raw, and then we would go equipped, you know, shortly after it you know, but like a month before the competition. And if you're going to equip, you need to go 10, 12 weeks out equipped because you need to learn your equipment, you need to learn your groove, and you need to be, you basically need that shirt part of your body. That's what it's all about. It's not that I don't like going raw. It's just Venus and Jupiter, completely two, two different worlds. Right. I you know, and that's why, you know, I made the big breakthrough from the sevens to, like, almost nine overnight because uh, I was like, this just isn't right, you know. So, do you think, well, what do you think is the greatest benefit of using, like, uh, equipment for the bench press? Do you think it's the stopping power, or do you think it's the, the rebound effect or the stability? What do you think is the greatest? Because, I mean, obviously, you're, you know, these, the best bench presses in the world are deriving two, three, four hundred pounds of you know, uh, assistance from the shirts. Where do you think the greatest advantage comes from? Well, I think it's everything you just said. It's the support. 
It's the stopping power. It's the rebound. It's everything. You know, it's like wearing a super suit. I love it. Right now, have you have you experimented a lot with the different equipment, or do you have some uh, you know a specific brand type that you you find to be worse for best for you? Right now, um, I mean, I've used every brand of equipment. Um, right now, I'm using a certain brand that I'm not even going to talk about because they haven't paid me any money yet, so I'm not I'm not endorsing them. Okay. But, um, you know, um, I, I just uh, there's a few brands out there that are really good. Um, you know, I was with Inzo for years. I was with Karen. I, I tried pretty much every company. I haven't tried the APT yet, or ATP, or whatever that company is. I haven't okay. tried those guys out yet. So, um, how long the shirt that you're using now? How long have you been using this specific one? I've been using it in about a year and a half. Okay. And how long do you find that usually takes you to kind of feel out a shirt um, when you first get one before you realize? It takes, about, it takes about a month, month and a half to actually break it in. Okay. All right. You now, know, what material does, it has microfibers, and these microfibers need to set. So if you just go real heavy in a brand-new shirt, it's probably going to tear. You know what I mean? Okay. The thing about it is if you break it in slowly and it becomes accustomed to stretching, the microfibers <laughs> set, and then that shirt gives you your explosiveness. Okay. Okay. Okay, so our our next topic is just just a brief aside for our, our listeners because we have the opportunity here to ask the, you know the great Scott Mendelson, the guy who benches over seven hundred pounds raw. What can our listeners do um, in the immediate future to become better bench pressers? What they need to do is come to me and I'll teach them. Okay, <laughs> okay well let's let's assume they don't have the uh, wherewithal, the financial means to uh, to come vi- to come visit you in California. See, bench, big technique thing. It's a, it's a huge technique thing. Okay. Um, all equipped, regardless. There are certain things you need to do: pinch your shoulders in, drive off your legs, uh, keep it in your triceps and back. See, competitive benching—you don't bench off your chest like a bodybuilder. So you know it's a full body thing, which bodybuilders couldn't relate with. They need to be taught. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do you aim the bar differently when you're using equipment versus using doing raw? I'm a little bit higher than when I'm equipped. Um, I bring it lower when I'm shirted. Okay, yeah. Lower towards the belly button. Right. Now, I, about things like, like you were saying about using the leg drive and so forth, I've heard, I've heard people make arguments that flexing certain mu- muscles actually hinders bench press power and this type of thing. Um, like, well, you were talking to people that had no idea what they were talking about. Okay. <laughs> well, no, I, I, that's why I'm asking you. What, what, what do you think? Do you think everything should be fired um, equally? Well, here's the thing. Imagine yourself as a spring, your whole body. And what you want to do is you want to coil up your whole body. And as you come down, you know, it's weird in benching. You'll see a lot of these guys, they just drop the bench and then they bounce it off and bring it up. If you look at my bench, I come down slow, 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 slow. And what I do is I'm actually bench pressing up as I'm coming down, building right. that compression for my coil, my spring. And my legs are tightening more. My glutes, my back, my triceps, everything is – my legs and my triceps are connected. You know, about six months ago, I realized that I was benching wrong. I know oh. that's kind of weird here, but – yeah. Uh, 
you know, I lead the whole entire bench press from my legs. Okay. So it's a little bit different from what we were doing before. You tighten your triceps up, and, and basically the biggest base in your whole body is what? Your legs. Yeah. So you want to tighten that up. You want to bring the pressure of the bench press down in your legs, and you want to keep your triceps actually connected with your legs. I, I always tell everybody, look, it's all the same muscle in your head. So if your legs fire, your triceps fire. Okay. And when people bench, they bench from their fist. They try to just throw it up from their fist. You know what I mean? Yeah. And when you do that, you're not getting any drive like you would if you kept it in your triceps and legs. Okay. Now, I've noticed like when, when you... Be... Okay, sorry. Go ahead. Huh? Go, no, on, go, go on. on. I was just going to say, I've noticed a lot of your presses, you do this little thing with your legs right before you grab the bar, or when you grab the bar where you kind of kick your legs out and then bring them back. Are you, do you actually have your feet flat on the floor, or do you kind of go more on the, the, the toes of your feet when you bring your legs back? I'm on my, I'm on my toe, and I wear a steel toe boot. And okay. the reason why I wear a steel toe boot is if your foot were on the floor, it's flimsy. You know, you're going to have a lot of toe damage and stuff like that as well. You're just not going to get the drive because you're in pain because it's on your toes. In the beginning of my career, I used to wear comics all the time when I benched. And then I realized um, I was training a guy named Andy Fiedler, who was an 850-pound, 275 guy, uh, basically a, a bodybuilder that went powerlifting, very talented. And one day he came out with some steel toe boots on, and I was like, dude, what the heck are you doing with steel toes? He's like, dude, I get better drive off of it. And I was like, huh, and it made sense because, you know, instead of having your toe on the ground, you have that steel toe which is much more contact on the ground than your toe. Sure. And basically, if you imagine your foot, and then you imagine like a, a wide sleeve around your foot from the boot, you know what I mean? Yeah. Then you get to drive off of that steel toe, and you get so much more power. So when you bring your foot back, are you doing that just kind of, is it because you want to get as much arch as you can in your back, or is it just because, uh, because you prefer to be on your toes? It helps me arch, but driving off your toes does two things. It lets me engage my legs much more, and it also keeps my butt down. Because for all you that don't know, if your butt lifts up during a lift, you're DQ'd, you're disqualified. Yeah. So your feet and your butt need to stay as you know motionless. If they move, they're shaking, they, they slide, you know, and the judges are on each side. They're looking to see if there's any light between your butt and the bench. Right. So... Now, That's the reason why. What do you what do you think about like um, your upper arm as it comes down? Do you do you um, ever think consciously about you know tucking it in tight or um, just naturally bring it down where it comes down naturally? What, what kind of um, do you, you know? want to bring your arms as close to your ribs as possible? You want right. to engage your triceps from the lift off on, right. and you know people like uh, people break their forearms benching. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the reason why is because they're leading some forearm. Right. And another reason would be going false grip. If you go false grip, you know, if you grab your arm, you, know, you grab two of your fingers right now, false grip, and you push back on your arm, where do you feel it? Um, elbow? No, in the middle of your arm. You feel it in the middle of your forearm. Well, that's okay. where it's going to break. Okay. So you, you definitely All don't, right. uh, so you definitely don't uh, recommend people use uh, thumbless grips? <laughs> Absolutely not. Right. Was, it, was there ever a time that you did use a false grip? Yeah, I did, and you can see it on, uh, I believe, Iron Scene when I dropped 585 raw on my chest and it bounced off twice. I think that was my <laughs> last raw workout, uh, raw uh, false grip. Right, right. 
Is there any other um, tips that you could give our, our listeners who would want to, like I say, just? I, I guess you're just saying keep everything nice and tight, keep your shoulder your shoulders pinched back, um, and engage your whole body. Thing would be the grip. Okay. When you grip, when you just grab a bar. The grip is right where your fingers basically start. Okay. What I do is I grip further down on my hand, almost like a false grip, and okay. then I force thumb around, and I just grab with my fingers. You could actually stick a finger through my fingers when I grip. Uh, so I do like a simulated false grip, but I have my thumb around it. It's, uh, it's, it's kind of interesting. So basically where your thumb starts in your, uh, at the top of your palm, you know what I mean? Not at the bottom part of your thumb, but the top part of your thumb, okay. where it concaves into your index finger. Right. That's where I have the bar going across, on the bottom oh, okay. portion of my hand. Okay. And then I put my thumb around, and what that does is it, you know, what you're trying to do is you're trying to cut the wrist off completely, as if it weren't there. That's why we have the wraps. So you wrap really tight, and then you're driving straight up. You don't want your wrist to bend back, right. and you want to get that full, full strength, and, you know, strengthening motion without having any interference. Because when you have, inter- when you have a bent joint when you're benching, there's power being caught up in the forearm and in the wrist area. Yeah. So by straightening your wrist out and keeping your elbows in and driving off your tricep, then you're getting 100% of the drive. So are you saying that you're putting the, you're, you're gripping the bar as low as you can your hand? Is that what you're saying? That's what I'm saying. Okay, so it's as far down to the, the, the crease of your, your thumb as you can get it without it coming in. That's correct. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, that makes, that makes sense because, like you say, that it alleviates that joint in, in a lot of ways because, like you say, there's no um, hinging on it. Right. right. The bad right. thing about it is, is if you go too low, your thumbs will meet your forearms. Because if you dump it, you won't be able to support your thumbs. So you got to have that balancing factor. Right, right. I now, mean, I've literally hyperextended my thumbs, and I couldn't even do it if you gave me a million dollars right now, but they'll touch my arms. Wow. That's crazy. So yeah, you're, you say you're... You say you're going now for the uh, new raw record, breaking your own record, which you say is somewhere going to be between 7:30 and 7:50. You say that's what I'm shooting for. Okay, and that, is that what was the date on that that you're going to be trying for that? It'll be April 16th, 2011, at Exert Nutrition at 9145 Deering Avenue in Chatsworth, California, 91311. We got a lot of guys coming. We got uh, that big strongman guy, a guy that's six five four forty. What's his name? What's that guy's name? Oh, you mean the uh... Dominic? Yeah, Dominic Ophelia and Gil Gerard. He pulled third in the uh, World Strongman in 07. They're yeah. supposed to be coming down. I, from what I hear, Dominic's shooting for a nine eighty bench, uh, and from what I understand, he has twenty five inch arms resting. Wow, he is a beast. He is a beast. Yeah, I got Al Meehan. He's a WPC Canadian lifter. Uh, we're, we're attempting to get some sort of uh, intercontinental, uh, or not intercontinental, but intercountry uh, uh, events going between us to where we can really liven it up. So we're shooting yeah. for some stuff. I'm going to be going over to Canada on June 4th, if possible. Yeah, and if, um, I'm, uh, and if you do come up here, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm in Toronto, obviously, so I'd, I'd definitely come down and see you. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great, man. I'd love to hang out with you. 
cool. All right, folks. Well, um, I, I guess that that does it for um, our episode here with uh, Scott Mendelson and, and and on behalf of Iron Radio, and I'm sure all of our listeners, Scott, we uh, certainly wish you the best in your uh, your pursuits of breaking your own record, and I, I'm sure we, we're sure you'll do it. So uh, good luck to you, man. And all you listeners, I wish all you the best as well. And guys, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Well, it's been on our honor, man. We're glad that you've spent some time with us. So, folks, uh, until next week, this is Iron Radio. On, on behalf of uh, Phil, Lonnie, and uh, John, uh, have a good day. This is Rob Fortress Fortney, and I'm here to let listeners know about the upcoming Strength Workshop, co-hosted by Iron Radio in Las Vegas, Nevada, this coming June. Stay tuned for details. Simply listen to www.ironradio.org, also on iTunes, and check out the site as well. Hope to see you in Vegas, where some of the industry's smartest and strongest guys will be waiting to talk shop with you. For the best sports nutrition information on the planet, make plans to attend the 8th Annual ISSN Conference and Expo, June 23rd to 25th, 2011, at the Westin Las Vegas Hotel, Casino, and Spa. We'll have the latest on creatine, beta-alanine, protein, nutrient timing, and much, much more. So for more information, go to www.theissn.org. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.